Here we go. Good evening. Tonight we're learning Maseches Psachim, Daf Lamed Aleph. Tonight we're going to be uh, extending our discussions about Isra Hana to add in a secondary factor. Um, and we're going to be starting on the bottom of Lamed of the Bays, and we'll spend the whole evening discussing this one sugya um, until we get to the Mishnah on the bottom. We'll do that also, that small Mishnah Gemara, and we'll stop five lines from the bottom of Lamed Aleph on the Bays. Let's get started. Lamed of the Bays at the Mishnah, five lines from the bottom. Nachri, a non Jew, Shehilves Yisrael al Chameitzo. A Nachri lends money to a Jew, but it's al Chameitzo, using his Chametz as collateral. Okay, so I'm going to borrow $100 from a guy, but I'm doing it with, as collateral, my chametz. Okay, so then, achar ha-pesach, what's the status with that chametz? That chametz, which was collateral, in order to support the loan that I took from the nachri, is that going to have an isr hana, says the Mishnah, no, it will not, mutter bihana, no problem. And the reverse, let's see how that plays out. Yisrael shehil nachri al chametzo, a Jew who lends money to a nachri, Al chametzo, and the nachri uses chametz as his collateral for the loan. After Pesach, there will be an iser hana. So let's analyze this um, from a similar but different case, and then we'll come back to the comparisons on uh, on the bottom, on the top third of, of Lamed Aleph Opens the Gemara. Itmar, a balchov, someone who has a, a financial burden. Take a look at Rashi. Rashi is seven lines or so from the bottom. Dibur hamaschil balchov, hamalve eschavero. So he's, he lends money to his friend. So I lend you uh, money and you set aside a collateral. There's a lien on the loan. You set aside a collateral so that if, that if I don't pay, then you're allowed to collect from my property. So that's what the Gemara is talking about. Let's go back to the Gemara, three lines, two lines from the bottom. In a case of a Balchov, so here is what the Gemara is questioning. Who owns the mashkon? Who owns the collateral? Is the collateral owned by the borrower? Really, it's mine. It's only on condition that if I don't pay. Or does it belong to the lender because it's mine if you don't pay? How do we look at the collateral? And this is going to, of course, come back to our Mishnah, because our Mishnah is discussing what happens with the collateral. We already saw in our Mishnah that when the money is being lent from non-Jew to Jew, that there will be no Isr Hana if the Jew has collateral for the Nachri. And the opposite was true when a Yisrael lends to a Nachri, when a Jew lends to a non-Jew, that afterwards there is no Isr Hana on the Chametz collateral. So let's see what happens here. In, the, in regards to a Balchov, if there is a person who owes money, what happens with the collateral? Who gets possession of the collateral and when? Says the Gemara, Amar Abayi Lemafreya Hugova, the... Um, the, uh, the lender gets it retroactively. So if I lend you $1,000 with collateral, your collateral item is really mine from moment one. However, says the Gemara, no, only from the time of payment, not from moment one, not from the moment that you and I make a deal. When you and I make a deal, I say, can I borrow $1,000? And you say, yes, on condition that you leave me collateral. What, who owns that collateral right now? So according to Abaye, it's owned by the, the lender. And according to Rava, it's owned by the, uh, it's owned by the uh, borrower until, uh, until, it's, until he doesn't pay up. That's the machlokes here. Now we're going to give some parameters to this machlokes as to when there is a, an ownership of the collateral that's supporting a loan. Says the Gemara, 
When the borrower is makdish that, let's say that I, I have a, a watch, that I an expensive Rolex, and that's the watch that I'm using to uh, be a collateral for the loan. I want to borrow a thousand bucks. You say, yes, Phil, I'll lend you a thousand dollars, but you got to pony up your Rolex. It's going to be the collateral. Now, if I, as the borrower, say thank you for the thousand dollars, and then I take the Rolex and I say to the base of Mikdash, I want to dedicate this to you, or Vizavin Lobe, or I sell it. So then, everyone agrees that that's not allowed. The, I, I'm the borrower. I'm the one who put that on collateral so that I could get the loan from you. Everyone agrees that's not allowed. And if I did that and then I didn't pay, then the then the 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 love the lender sorry the malva the lender would then be able to collect it kulama lo pligi de asi malva tarif that uh, that I could go into the pawn shop and just take it no problem or if it's the base mikdash turning to the top of lamadal fomadal va asi malva uparik and I could extract it from the the base mikdash because the love the borrower had definitely had no rights to use the collateral that he put up to get the loan. That collateral is no longer mine. Everyone agrees to that. That's for sure. And the Gemara just adds that there's a Mishnah that supports that one is allowed to remove even something from Hektish that the Love incorrectly was Maktish because the collateral was not his to give to the Mikdash. What is the Mishnah, right? It's not Mosif od dinar upodes anachasim ha'elu. Uh, we do require him to give a dinar, just a little bit of a coin. The reason we do that is because, as Rashi highlights, we don't want people to say that you don't need to be podet. People could just look at the scenario, looks bad. People would say the scenario looks bad, just drop a dime, drop a quarter in the pushka, and then you can take it. That's a, a dinder abonam. But mido raisa, you can technically just take that because the love who took the mashkon, who took the collateral without the knowledge of the malve, and he was makdashit to the base mikdash, he has no right to do that. Everyone agrees, Abai and Rabbah both agree that the love, if the borrower took the collateral that he put up in order to get the loan, everyone agrees that that's unacceptable. Kipligi lamadalaf amadalaf, second line. Kipligi, when do Abaye and Rabbah have their machlokas? Dezavin malve v'kadish malve. When the, uh, when the malve, when the person who's lending takes the collateral, that he used as a support to give the loan, and he was makdashit, or he sold it, or he was makdashit. Here we have the machlokas. Abaye Omar, Abaye says, retroactively, it really does belong to the malve, and he didn't do anything wrong when he was makdashit to the Besamikdash. How so? Once at the end of the time limit, the day of payment shows up, and the love, the borrower, does not pay. So at that point, because at that point, the mashkon becomes the payment because the love, the borrower, did not uh, did not fulfill his end of the deal. He didn't pay on time. So we now understand the das. We understand the mindset of the of the malve, of the borrower, that really, it always belonged to the malve from moment one. The second I took that Rolex off of my wrist and I turned it into the loan, into the mashkon, so then automatically it becomes that of the malve. And the malve, no problem. He's allowed to be makdashit to the base of mikdash, and he's also allowed to sell it. No problem. It's his own. However, Rava argues. The Rava Amar Mikanu Lehabahu Gova, Rava says that's incorrect. The only time that the malve gains ownership of the mashkon is at the moment of payment and no sooner. Had it been that the lova had cash on hand to pay, he wouldn't have wanted to give over the collateral. He wouldn't have wanted to give up the Rolex. That's his watch. It was just to support the loan. 
But it wasn't his intention to lose the watch. So says the Gemara, since had the lobe, had the borrower, had cash on hand, have a misalik that he would have paid that way. Therefore, what do we find? It must be that only right now is it the case that the malve actually earns the rights to the collateral when the lobe doesn't pay. So this is the Machlokes Abai Rava. Let's review. Our Mishnah has two shitas. Um, one, not two shitas. Our Mishnah has two cases. One about a Nachri who loans to a Jew and the Jew uses Chametz collateral. There we say there's no, that's not Chametz Shavar Lava Pesach and you can use it after Pesach. The reverse is that if a Nachri loans, uh, if a Yisrael loans money to a Nachri and the Nachri uses Chametz, so then that Chametz would be problematic. I belongs to the Nachri. We'll deal with that in the Gemara. And then the Gemara seems to uh, uh, compare this to Abaye and Rava. Abaye says that when a person uses a collateral in order to enable their alone for themselves, Abaye says that it says if that collateral belongs to the lender from the moment the loan starts. Masha'en Kane, Rava holds that that's not correct. Rava holds that the, the collateral does not become the malve until the moment comes that the lobe doesn't pay. Now the Gemara is going to analyze the Shita of Rava. Rava was of the opinion, just to review one last time before we move on, that when there is a collateral on a loan, the collateral does not become the rights of the lender until the moment of payment comes and the borrower doesn't come up with the cash. Then and only then does the Rolex become his, does the collateral become his. Says the Gemara, Umi Amar Rava Hachi. Does Rava really say that the uh, Malve, that the, that the lender doesn't get access to the collateral until the end? Hold on one second. We'll see what Rava says in six lines, but we're going to develop this detailed story of a unique purchase. Rami Barchama. Rami Barchama said the following. Ruvain shemachar sadu l'shimon be'achrayis. Ruvain, he, uh, he's in real estate and he sells a field to Shimon, but he sells it be'achrayis. What does achrayis mean here? Be'achrayis means that Ruvain says to Shimon, I'm selling you my field and I'm going to give you an extra perk. There's a clause in the contract that's in your favor. If there are any collectors who want to collect money from me and I'm Ruvain, they can't take it from your field. I'm giving you a sale. It's a full sale. Nothing is tethered back to me. You're free and clear. Of any achrayas that I have to other people, they cannot collect from you. Very good. Now, how did Shimon pay? He basically took out a mortgage. There was no banker. He took out a loan from Ruvain. He wrote a star and he said to Ruvain, I'm going to pay you back over time. I'll pay you my monthly mortgage payment of $2,000 a month, whatever it is. Fine. So that's the deal. Ruvain sells the field to Shimon with no burden from any collectors toward Ruvain. Shimon says, thank you very much. Do you mind if I pay in a loan? And Ruvain says, no problem. Nebuch, the next day, umates Ruvain. Then the salesman dies. The Asa Balchov de Ruvain. And then there was a collector who didn't know the caveat that Ruvain had put into place, that no one is allowed to, to collect off of this field because it was sold by Achrayis. So then, he was trying to take away the field from Shimon. Let's say that the Balchov, his name is Levi. This is a third party. Ruvain was the salesman. Shimon was the purchaser. And Levi, the third party, was owed money by Ruvain from another deal. Fine, let's continue. The Asa Shimon, and Shimon's like, look, I bought this land, uh, no problem at all. I was also promised that it would be Bachrais, but I don't want to give up the field. So I'm going to pay you cash. I have a little bit of cash. I'm going to pay you to get off my back. And then I'll just collect it from the family on the other end because I have a promise from Shimon. It's in my contract 
It's in my contract that this field that I bought was Be'achrayis, that you, Levi, one of the collectors from Ruvain, cannot collect from this field. So that's what he did. He paid him down. So what's the halacha? Two lines before the wide lines, one third of the way down, Lamed Aleph, Lamed Aleph. Dina, who, what's the halacha? To Asu B'nei Ruvain, the children of Ruvain. So these are the, those who inherited uh, all of Ruvain's assets. The Amre Lei, they say, Lashimin, Anon Metaltale, we know that there were some proceeds, Shavak Avun Gabach. That Shavak Avun, Avun is our father. Shavak left Gabach, left. Our father left money with you. Namely, you still need to pay us back on the loan. Remember from the beginning, Shimon, he never paid up on this, maybe a down payment, but he still had a balance with Ruvain. So there was money left there. And here's the, here's the kicker. And when it comes to liquid assets, when it comes to cash, not the property that Shimon bought from Ruben, but the cash that Shimon paid to Levi, that Shimon paid to the person who was owed money by Ruben. I'm not obligated, Shimon, say, say the children of Ruben. We're not obligated to pay you in cash. We were only obligated to the field. You chose on your own to pay cash. So says Rava, had Shimon been on his game, first of the long lines, Vama Rava, Ipikeach Shimon, had Shimon been a smart guy, then Magbe Luhuara, he would have returned the land to the Yisomim, to the children of Ruvain, and then instantly Vahadar Gabe Laminaihu, and recollected it. And then he would have uh, made good on his losses. How would that have worked out? Because Dama Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman had a din. Yisomim Shegavukarka Bechovasavihim, when there are Yisomim children of a man and he had uh, some financial burdens, Shegavu Karka, they collected land, and it was while the father had a burden. So then, then the person who's owed can go back and take it. So the family wanted to take the land from him. So Rava said, take the land, but I'm going to take it right back because then you owe me, you owe me. we had a deal. We had a deal. That's what the contract did is that you owe me property and I'll pay you back cash. But I didn't pay you the cash yet. You still owe me the property. Now, this is the story. Now, here's the Gemara's analysis of the story. Three lines into the wide lines, almost halfway down. If you want to say, like Abaye, that everything is retroactive, then, then I understand Rava. Then, then I could understand how Rava could get the property back if he were to give it back to Ruben's children. It's just like he, uh, that Shimon collected the property during the lifetime of Ruben when he was still alive. However, if Rava, in his opinion, as presented on the bottom of Laman of Bebez, when he says that the moment of ownership of a collateral is on the day of payment when the Lovet doesn't pay, if that's true, if Rava really says that it's Mikanu Lehaba, that you only gain access to the collateral at the moment of payment, then how would it work when he gives it to the children of Ruvain after he dies. At that point, says the Gemara, it's as if they just bought a property. It, it, it's as if it's disconnected from Ruvain because according to Rava, the way he presented on the top of the Amud, is that the only time you have access to this collateral is when, is when the payment didn't happen. 
So, but if that's true, then this doesn't work out because the way that you just suggested, Rava, that Shimon should have gotten out of this problem when we said he'd be Kech Shimon, had he been a bright guy, he would have given it to the uh, to the children of Reuben and taken it right back. But that doesn't make sense. And had the had the Yorshim, had the children, the Yasomim, the orphans of Reuben collected this, they're their own people. That's their own money at that point. That belongs to the children of Reuben. It doesn't belong to Reuben. So why do they have to pay the people who Reuben owes? It doesn't make any sense. So Rubba, you have an inherent contradiction. On the top of the page, you said that the only time collateral is owned by the Malvis from the moment when the payment should have taken place and when the Lova defaulted. However, here you seem to say that that's not true. Here you seem to rely on the principle that it's retroactive and not Mikanul Haba. So answers the Gemara, great question, sophisticated question, answers the Gemara halfway down. This case is different. This case that we just presented with Ruvain and Shimon, this case is different. Why? To Amar Luhu, because what will Shimon say to the Yorshim of Ruvain? Ki hechi de mishtabdana lei le'avuchon, mishtabdana nami le'balchov de'avuchon. Just like I owe your father Ruvain money, your father Ruben also owes Shimon money. I'm just going to pay him for you. In one place in Shas, this is referred to as Mama Shlashtan. The three of us are standing together. I'm Ruben. I own the property. You're Shimon. You bought the property. You're Levi. So Ruben owes money to Levi. And Shimon owes money to Ruben. I'm going to just make a shortcut. A will pay C. We're done. Five piece of cake. Just pay the money directly. Forget about the go-between. Says the Gemara, this is the opinion me to Rab Nassan. What does Rab Nassan say? Two-thirds of the way down, Lamed Aleph, Lamed Aleph, says the Gemara, Ditanya, Rabbi Nassan Omer, Minayin Lenoshe Bechavero, someone who has to, has to collect a hundred, Bechavero, Bechavero, and his friend is also owed a hundred, Shemotzin, Nizev, and Ostin, Lazet, we skip the middle man. If Shimon owes Ruvain and Ruvain owes Levi, I can just pay Levi and call it a day. It saves a check. No need to make things complicated. Talmud Lomar, how do we know that that works? And therefore, how do we know that Rava has support in this case to say that it appears retroactive? It's not that it's actually retroactive. It's that we're relying on a secondary din that allowed him to pay Levi directly. Shimon was allowed in this case to pay Levi directly. And that's why Rava said his opinion that didn't match the one on the top of the page. Because of what, says the Gemara, because of a Pasuk. Talmud Lomar Asher Beautiful. So we had a contradiction in Rava. We didn't understand his opinion. Now we understand. It makes perfect sense. We got it. We understand. So says the Gemara, two-thirds of the way down, we need to ask another question. Tanan, we learned in our Mishnah the following. A non-Jew lends money to a Jew, and a Jew takes collateral of chametz to support the payment, to support the loan. So Achara Pesach, we said in our Mishnah, Mutar Behano. So it asks the Gemara a beautiful question. If you want to say that really the collateral that the Jew put up for the loan, the collateral that he put up that he gave to the Nachri, if you want to say that it's Lema and therefore the Nachri really owns it from day one of the loan, so then Amtu Lahachi, because of that, I understand why it's Mutar Behano. Because from the moment that I gave the Nachri the loan, instantly, instantly, the collateral became his, if you follow the world of Abaye, because he says it's retroactive. However, according to Rava, sorry, next line, if you say, like Rava said, that really the only time the Malve, the lender, owns the collateral is when the Lova defaults and doesn't pay on time, 
So then what that means is that after Pesach, the Jew doesn't make his payment, only then does the Goy get ownership of the collateral. But then what that means is that the Jew owned the Chametz on Pesach, why would it be Motor Behana? Says the Gemara, If the Malve, in this case the Nachri, only gains ownership of the collateral at the end of the process, then am I Motor Behana? It shouldn't be Motor Behana. Birshusa, the Israel have a kaid, and throughout Pesach, the Yid was the owner. That's Chametz Shavar Leva Pesach. Why does the Mishnah say that it's Motor Behana? Let's ask the question the right way. How could Rava say that the only time that the Nahri gains ownership of the collateral is at the end of the process? If that's true, then the Jew had the ownership of the collateral, which was Chametz over Pesach. How could the Mishnah say it's Mutter Ba'ana? How could Rava have his opinion? Ah, beautiful, says the Gemara. How do we answer this question? The Gemara says, this is true when the chametz was in the possession of the nachri, and that's considered to be sufficient as it relates to the ownership of the collateral. Because the Jew took the chametz, which was the collateral for the loan, and he left it in the home of the nachri, says the, the Gemara in the name of Rava Dayenu. Even though Rava holds that really the ownership of the collateral doesn't transpire, that doesn't take effect until until the day that the Jew doesn't pay back the loan, Afal Pikein, that's not considered ownership as it relates to Isra Hana because Kishahirhinu, it was in the property of the Nachri the whole time. Lema Kitanoi, seven lines, six lines from the bottom. Maybe this machlokas that we're having between Abaye and Rava, maybe it has its roots in the Tanaim. Let's see. This would be beautiful. If you have a machlokas, Abaye and Rava, really, it's rooted in the Tanaim. That would be a wonderful thing. Let's see what the Gemara thinks would be a reasonable comparison. Maybe we should say the Machlokes Abaye and Rava about when collateral takes ownership with the lender. Maybe that is true in the following case. If there is a Jew who lends money to a Nachri and the collateral is Chametz of the Nachri, so over. after Pesach, there is no violation. And Mishum Rabbi Meir Amru, this is the Machlokes, the Tanakhama says, Eino over in such a case. But according to Rabbi Meir, he says over that you do violate something. Now, this is, of course, different than our Mishnah. Our Mishnah did not present the Machlokes in this case. So as you can see, there's a, a distortion in the Shittas of the Tanaim. Not a distortion. There's just different Shittas in the Tanaim. So says the Gemara. Maybe we should say that Abai and Rav are really arguing here. If that's the case, says the Gemara, my wouldn't we say that the Tanakhama and Rav Meir and this new Brisa that we just learned, wouldn't we say that their machlokes is as follows, four lines from the bottom, according to one opinion, it's retroactive. And because it's retroactive, that's the time when the Nachri, when the Israel was Konan. And because the Israel was Kona, that of the of the Nachri, so then that's problematic. That's when we say over. Umar Savar Mikanu Lahaba and the other Shita holds the other way. Maybe this is the Machlokes. Abai and Rava is really the Machlokes of the Tanakam and Reb Meir. Says the Gemara, can't be. Vitizbara. And do you think that that makes any sense from the word Svara, Savar? Do you think that there's any logic there? Ema Seifa. I will say from the end, I'm going to quote to you from the end of the Brisa. Now, your understanding of the machlokets of the Tanakam and Rameir doesn't make sense if you look at the Seifa. What does the Seifa say? Says the Gemara. Aval, however, if you have the reverse, if you have a non-Jew who lends money to a Yisrael and the Yisrael gives Chametz as the collateral, so then the Achara Pesach Kol over. Everyone agrees that it's going to be a violation. So says the Gemara, that doesn't make any sense. 
If the machlokas and the ratio between the Tanakam and Rav Meir is about whether or not, we, when we say that the collateral was koneb by the love, by the malve, if the machlokas between Rav Meir and the Tanakama and the ratio is about when we say that the lender actually was koneb, when he actually acquired the collateral, then in the seifa, the shittas should just be flipped, just like they were in our Mishnah. In our Mishnah, we said in the first case that a, a, a nachri who lends to Yisrael, we said it was mutter ba'no. If Yisrael lends to a nachri, he said it's aser ba'no. But here, we don't see that. So it says the Gemara, two lines from that, we should not have seen that. What we should have seen is that in the reisha, we should have reversed the shittas from the reisha to the seifa, just like we did in our Mishnah. We should have done the same thing by the b'risa of Rav Meir and the, and the Tanakama. And laman da'amar hasam over over the shita should have reversed in the seifa, but they didn't do that. So therefore, by definition, Rav Meir and the Tanakama cannot be arguing about Abai the Rava. Because if they were, then the seifa of that b'risa would have been very, very different. It would have reflected the reverse shitas of the reisha. So says the Gemara, now we've turned to the top of Lamed Aleph from the base, says the Gemara, Really, what is the machlokas that we just learned between the Tanakama and Rav Meir? It must be that we're talking about a case, top line of Lamed Aleph of Rebbe's Kegon Sheher Hinu Atzlo. Yes, the food was in the possession of the lender. The Kamiflage Bid Rav Yitzchak. And really, Rav Meir, and really Rav Meir and the Tanakama are arguing about the Shita of Rav Yitzchak. What is the Shita of Rav Yitzchak? Says the Gemara as follows. Dama Rav Yitzchak, Minala, Minayin Labalcho, Shekona Mashkon. How do we know that a person who is a balchov is kone the mashkon, the person who has a loan out that he acquires collateral? Says the Gemara, we know from a pasuk, you will be the one who's considered to have done tzedakah, the one who returns it, the one who returns the collateral when you do what's right by you. So says the Gemara, if there was no Kenyan in the mashkon, if you never acquired the collateral, so then tzedakah minayin, why are we using the, the word of like, you did right? What do you mean you did right? If you never acquired it, you didn't do anything. What does it mean you did right? So it says in Gemara, This is how we know that a person who has a loan out, he actually does, in fact, um, earn the rights to and have a possession of the mashkon, of the collateral. So what's the machlokas if this is the precedent? So it says the Gemara as follows. Tanakama Savar, what does the Tanakama hold? He says, remember, let's look back. The Tanakama said, that when a Jew lends to a non-Jew and the non-Jew uses chametz as collateral, that there's no violation of halacha. So on Lamed Aleph, on the base, five lines down, from Jew to Jew, that's when we have a din of tzedakah, of I did my job and I paid back my collateral or I earned back my collateral, good to go. So uh, I did well. Aval, the Tanakama holds, Yisrael minachri lo kani. He says that there is no Kenyan in that particular case. And because that's true, so the Tanakama held, Eino over. However, Rav Meir, Savar Kalvachomer, Rav Meir held it, felt that there was a Kalvachomer here. Yisrael mi Yisrael kani, Yisrael minachri lo kol shekein. If from one Jew to another we have a Kenyan, then it would all the more so be true by a Nahri in this particular case because of the nature of the loan. All the more so it would be true. What about the safe of that Brisa? What about a non Jew who lends to a Jew and that Jew has Chametz as the collateral? There, everyone agrees that Tanakam and Rav Meir, that when it's a Nahri to Israel, for sure there's no Kenyan there. That's for sure the case. So that's how we would explain the Brisa of Rav Meir 
and the Tanakama. So we started out this section of the Gemara by asking, maybe we have a precedent of the Machlokas between Abai Virava within the Tanaim of the Tanakama and Rave. We said, absolutely not. They're not talking about the Machlokas Abai and Rave at all. They're talking about something totally different, which is about the nature of Kinyana between a Jew and a non-Jew and a Nachri. So says the Gemara, fine, good. Let's continue with yet another question. A quarter of the way down, Lamed Aleph and Beis says the Gemara, Tanan, we learned in our Mishnah. What did we learn? We're back to our Mishnah. What does our Mishnah say? We have a non-Jew who lent money to Israel with chametz as collateral. So what did our Mishnah say? Okay, good. So that's what we said. Now, Nehi granted. I understand that the Yisrael left the chametz in the property of the Nahri. That I understand. Good to go. But didn't we just learn in explaining the Brisa of Rav Meir and the Tanakama, didn't we just learn Ha'amris, Nachrim Yisrael Lokani? We just learned three lines ago that at the conclusion of the Brisa of Rav Meir and the Tanakama, that everyone agrees that from a Nachri to a Yisrael, that there's no Kenyan. So how would that work? If Nachri to a Yisrael is not a Kenyan, then, then the Chametz must have belonged to the Jew the whole time, in which case it's going to be problematic. In which case it's going to be Chametz Shavalava Pesach and Oser Behana. So how could it be Moter Behana? Says the Gemara, Lokashia. Don't worry, I can solve that problem for you. Hade Amar Leme Achshav. Hade Lo Amar Leme Achshav. When in our Mishnah, when we said it was Moter Behana, that was when we specified when the Jew and the Nachri and the Seifa and the Resh of our Mishnah, where they specified from right now you own it. No halachic assumptions. I'm being explicit. I'm telling you from right now it's yours. And therefore it's Mutter Be'an after Pesach. But in this Brisa that we just saw from the Tanakam and Rav Meir, where we concluded that Divrei Kol, everyone agrees that there's no Kenyan between the Yid and between the Nachri, that's a halachic assumption without the intervention of Me'achshav, where we otherwise explicitly stipulate the ownership of that of that collateral. And that's Hadalo Amar Le Me'achshav, says the Gemara, Mira Timra, the Shani Le, how do we know to make such a, such a distinction? How do you know to make such a distinction? If the Bryce of Rav Meir and the Tanakama is so clear and explicit that we don't have a kinyan between the Nachri and the Jew in regards to the collateral, so how does you adding in the, you've explicated that I want you to be the owner now, who says that works? What's the precedent for that? So answers the Gemara, Detanya. We have a Bryce of one third of the way down, Lamed Aleph, Mubez, Detanya. Nachri shaharhin pas porni eitzel Yisrael eno over. A non-Jew who is uh, holding on to bread that was cooked in a large oven for Yisrael, ain't over, no violation. However, when it's yours, when you get it over, then he does own it. What's the difference? It must be, this is our precedent. When we see, and this Brisa indicates that there is such a distinction, when we explicate and we say out loud that this is where the distinction should be, right now, Mr. Nachri, you own this, done deal. Then, you're the, then you own it. Then it's all over. You're good to go. So that's how the Gemara answers with the precedent. Tanu Rabbanan, we're uh, almost getting there. Tanu Rabbanan, almost two-thirds of the way down. Chanus shel Yisrael, I'm a Jewish store owner. Umalai shel Yisrael, all of my products are mine. I stock them, uh, they're, all, they're, all for, they're all Jewish products. Upo'alei nachr, my workers are non-Jewish. Nichnas and Lasham, they go there. Chametz shenim sashama achra pesach asr behana. We make a halachic assumption. If you're the store owner, you're the one who stocked the shelves. And I felt that you have non-Jewish employees 
We don't assume that they brought all the chametz into the store and they messed up your store with chametz. We assume that it's yours. Not only is it aser be'achila, but all the more so, obviously, says the Gemara, Pasha that it would also be aser be'achila. What about the reverse? Chanus shel nachri. What if the store belonged to a goy? Umale shel nachri. And all the shelves were stocked by a non-Jew. Upoale Yisrael nichnas and viotz in the sham. And Jews were the workers in the store. Chametz shenim sasham achara pesach moter beachila. Bad for sure. We would say that not only is there no iser of, of achila afterwards. Vein sarach lomar behana. So the Gemara has been ex- explicit here to say that the iser of hana uh, teaches us something about the iser of achila. Uh, that if there is an Isra Hana, we can assume an Isra Achila. And if there is no Isra Achila, we can assume that there is no Isra Hana. Um, and more globally, as this Gemara indicates, that if it's a Jewish store, it's most likely to be Jewish, Jewish chametz. If it's a non-Jewish store, it's most likely to be non-Jewish chametz. Let's learn this next Mishnah up to the final Mishnah on the page, and then we will stop for the night. Next Mishnah, 15 lines from the bottom. Chametz we, we saw this Gemara quoted earlier in the Masechta. If you have chametz upon which a building fell, it's as if that food has been burned. It's destroyed. You don't have to do beer chametz on it. So the Mephorshim point out that Rav Shimon ben Gamliel is not arguing on the Tanakhama. He's qualifying the Tanakhama. So here's what it means. What do you mean when you say hareu kimavuar? That's only considered kimavuar when a kelev is not able to be machape sacharov. There's so, there's so much rubble that a dog wouldn't even bother chasing after it. Amar of Chizda, That's a very important din. Yeah, it may be true that it's kimavuar, but it's not actually mavuar in a halachic sense. It's inaccessible to you, but it's still edible and you're still the owner. So you have to do bittel. Ah, you can't do bittel, so do bittel. But you can't be, be the owner of the chametz that's under a pile of rubble. Perfectly good loaf of bread. A foot under rubble could be, it seems to imply from the Gemara that you're going to violate an Isser Daraisa. You have to do bittel in this case. The Mephorshim also pick up on the language of Belibo. Why does it say Belibo? What does it mean in your heart? Does it mean that not pepe? Okay, that's a discussion for another time. Tana, how big of a rubble pile do you need to assume that the dog is not going to look for it? Answers the Gemara, three tvachim deep. Says the Gemara, hang on one second. He says to Ravashi, if a person buries money in the ground, that's considered a shmira. If you, I mean, in a safe place, obviously. So says the Gemara, there, where we say that you are considered uh, considered having done a good job of shmira when you have buried the uh, the money in the ground, how deep does it have to be? Does it also have to be three tefachim deep? Ravashi responds back to um, who is he talking to? He responds back to Rav Acha and he says, Here by the chametz. The reason why we need three tfachim is so that the smell doesn't waft through the rubble so that the dog can smell it. That's what we were concerned about. And in that case, Hasam, in the case of the money, the only reason the shmira works is because you can't see it. Just to make sure that it's no longer visible. And then therefore, once it is um, uh, once it is no longer visible, the you don't need it to be even shloshavikama. So then the Gemara says, can you at least give me a shear? Give me a number. How deep in the ground does it have to go? Says the Gemara, Omar, Rafram Bar Papa Misichra Tefach. Papa. Uh, Rafram Bar Papa Misichra from the city of Sichra. He says it only has to be a tefach deep. In short, the kits are nimrats. We've learned tonight a, a discussion about what the status is when chametz is collateral, machlokes abaye and rava, and various applications therein. And then the last price and Mishnah we learned is that a mapoles is three tefachim, 
and that is considered sufficient so that you would not need to do bdika, but you still need to do bittal. Wishing you all a beautiful night.